On Friday, uh, Deanna and I went on a date. Ooh. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> we, uh, we actually, uh, for Christmas, I got her tickets to go see Echo. Have any, has anybody seen Echo, the Cirque du Soleil uh, performance in Atlanta under the big top? Um, if, you, if you don't know what Cirque du Soleil is, it's, it's well, it's amazing. It's acrobats, and, and so we went there. It's under a big uh, tent, and, and we've got people flying in the air. We, we had, I, I think they were sisters, but one was hanging. The other one was hanging from her by her hair and her teeth. It was crazy. And then there were people doing flips everywhere, and there, it was incredible. And it was wonderful for us because going all the way back to when we were dating, uh, we went to a Cirque du Soleil down in Orlando, and it was so, it was reminiscent for us. It was, it was, oh, right? It was wonderful. And, and so we're sitting there, and I'm sitting in my, my seat. And if you remember Friday, Friday was, was cold. It was dreary. It was ugly outside. And, and we went to the afternoon show. And like a good theatrical performance, the lights were low, and the music was there. And I fell asleep. <laughs> Daggone it. Like, not the whole time. And a lot of it was, you know the move. Like, I am trying with everything I've got to stay awake. <sighs> and I fell asleep. Not like forever, like a five-minute cat nap and I was refreshed. You know, it was a church nap. You know the kind, Right? <laughs> Man, have you ever fallen asleep in a spot where you don't want to? This is the story of how Samuel, it, it, it's not the beginning of his story. Uh, Miss Meredith mentioned it a little bit. It, it, that's from chapter 1 and 2. Beautiful story of Hannah, a faithful mom who is praying and praying and pleading with the Lord to, to give her a child, and the Lord delivers and she responds by giving the child back to the Lord. Chapter 2 of Samuel is Hannah's prayer. It's her song. It, it mimics. It's the, the, the uh, prequel of Mary's song, the Magnificat, that she sings in praise of God when the angel announces the coming of Jesus to her womb. So Samuel starts in a pretty miraculous way. And so we fast forward several years. He's probably a boy, a preteen or a teenager at this time. And we start by hearing a couple things. One, Eli is the head guy. He's the high priest. And it tells us in a variety of ways that he's faithful. But by this time, he's also, well, he's lazy. And he's kind of lost his way. And he's got sons that are priests, and they have really lost their way. And Eli never does anything to try and restrain them or, or get them back in line. And so by this time, Eli is tired, he can't see, and he's not diligent anymore. But, but he, he still has something in him. And Samuel is there, and it says that Samuel doesn't yet know the Lord, he hasn't perceived the Lord, but he's in the Lord's presence. In fact, it says that the most of the story today is that he was sleeping in the temple. Have you been there? You don't need to raise your hands, right? 
right? At this point, it's not the temple in Jerusalem. They're in the place called Shiloh, and this would have been the tabernacle, which would have been the tents that that were the precursor to the temple that that went with Moses and the Israelites throughout the wilderness, throughout the the desert for 40-plus years. And so it would have been broken down into various tents within the whole tabernacle, and in the the middle of it, in, in the most sacred place, was the Holy of Holies, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, right? The, the Ark that held the Ten Commandments. I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark with my kids recently, too. Fantastic. Very historically accurate. But, right, so this is like the big thing. This, in fact, is, is the place where it, it, it is understood that this was the footstool of God, that, that God's feet actually touched earth in this place, at the Holy of Holies. And that's where Samuel slept. Sleeping before the Lord is never something you really want to do, right? It's way worse than falling asleep at Echo. Right? Right? I mean, think about the, the other times that we have sleeping. The night in which he was betrayed. Jesus was praying. He pleaded with the disciples to, to pray with him, and they what? They fell asleep. Sleeping before the Lord is you, you want to be awake when you're in the presence of God, right? And so the first question for us this morning is, in what realms of your life are you sleeping? Where are you falling asleep at the wheel? Where have you engaged autopilot? And instead of directing your life, you're just cruising along. I think that's a faithful discipleship question, right? Because we all get in those ruts, we all get in those seasons, those times where we let life happen to us instead of taking the reins ourselves. Not that we can control everything, we certainly can't. But there's a difference between the horse going wherever it wants and us directing it, right? What in your life, what realms of your life have you fallen asleep at? I think that's a good question for us to ask every once in a while. And that we don't do that in a vacuum. We do that as a question of faith. That that we don't need to figure it out on our own, but that we, like Samuel, have a Lord who is speaking to us and directing us, and wants to engage with you to help you live, right? I mean, that, that's one of the biggest lessons we learn from Samuel, one of the most important components, right? One of Jesus' favorite phrases in the New Testament, in the Gospels, is, wake up. Wake up, open your eyes, give me eyes to see. Wake up, what in your life do you need to wake up? Right? Now, lest we think that this is all our doing, 
right? Don't, don't miss who the alarm clock is in today's story. It's the Lord, right? The Lord is the one that continues to call Samuel. The Lord continues to cry out to you as well. That, that's, the, that's the hope of today. It's not on your shoulders. It's on his. J- Jesus is in charge of the waking. J- Jesus is in charge of the raising up. Right? I mean, that, that's the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones, right? Ezekiel, with the word of the Lord, says and cries out to those dry bones, wake up, live. He says the same to you. It's Jesus who stood outside of his dear friend Lazarus' tomb and said, Lazarus, rise up, wake up, come out. God is the one that stirs your soul. The word of the Lord that comes is the one that wakes you up, right? I mean, the, the wonderful song we just sang, and I love it, Open Up the Heavens and, and God of Wonders, all, both of them d- declare that we are the ones that cry out to God, that, that we cry out the name of God. And, and there's, there's absolute truth to that. You are to call out upon the name of the Lord. But, but did you notice today's story? It is the Lord who cries out Samuel's name. And he's calling your name too. He's calling your name too. Now, the, the reality, and I want to wrestle with this and, because I think it's important... The Lord stirs Samuel and raises him up and and, and shakes him and he comes awake and and the Lord has a message for Samuel. And you know what? It's not rainbows and butterflies. It's a harsh word. Speak, Lord, I'm ready, I'm listening. Well, here's, here's the message I want you to give to your mentor. Tell him everything that he deserves is coming for him. Oh, yay, thanks going to go get some well shut eye now, right? The, the Lord comes with a harsh word. The Lord tells Samuel that Eli and his house, are they're, they're coming to their end. Everything I promised before in chapter 2 is coming, right? And, and it again unfolds that Eli and his, his, his faithfulness also had unfaithful realities. And he lost his way. And he certainly didn't have his ability to to restrain or or bring in or rope in his sons, who who quite honestly were, were, well, they were entitled, and they weren't fearful of the Lord, and they didn't do anything according to the Lord's ways. They were some of the ones that were supposed to be closest to the Lord, and they abused their power. Sadly, that story happens a lot in the church, doesn't it? So if the church has hurt you, know that that's different than the Lord hurting you. As your pastor, I am flawed. I don't want to hurt you. 
I don't want to mess up, but there are times I do. Right? I think that's an important word. And so, so the Lord gives Samuel this harsh word, and it unfolds in chapter 4 if you want to read it later today and, and see how all of this happens. But the Lord sends, a, uh, there's a battle, and there are enemies that come, and, and, and Eli's sons both die in battle on the same day. And, and later, Eli learns of it, and he, well, he is so shocked, he falls back in his seat, and he, well, he dies. It's awful. Thanks for the message, Samuel. Right? What, what, what's going on here? Well, the Lord is saying that, that, that he is coming to, to do his work. He's coming to do something with God's people, to restore and refresh. And, and part of that begins with a, well, he's got to clean up some messes. The Lord has to clean up some messes. Is that true in your life? Yeah. It is. We all have messes. Collectively. Personally. Are there messes in your family? Yeah, probably, huh? Right? And sometimes cleaning is messy. Sometimes to make things beautiful, you got to make them ugly first. Have you ever done a reconstruction project at your house? It gets, it gets nasty before it gets better. This is part of God's restoration project. It gets ugly before it gets better. But Samuel is a big part of that. And the Lord's call upon Samuel is continuous. At this point in the sermon, you may be wondering, why is there a football goalpost on the screen? I remember when I was in uh, probably early high school, there was a, a field, like a playground field in our community, and, and it was connected to uh, uh, one of the, the schools, one of the private schools, and they had a football team. And so it, this, this field had goalposts on it. And most of the places where you have goalposts are like in stadiums, and it's tough to get in. But this one was accessible all the time. So my buddy and I would get the football, and we'd throw the football for a while, but you can do that anywhere. On this field, you could get kick field goals. And so we would go every once in a while to kick field goals, and we could see how bad, I mean, how good we were. And we would start, you know, close, and I'd miss a bunch. I'm not a kicker. Like, I don't kick the soccer ball well. I certainly don't kick the football. I, I had a big leg and I could kick it far, but I always kicked it with a toe and so it went wherever it went, right? And so, but, so we, we'd, we would practice and we would, you know, start at the 10-yard line and move back and see how far we could kick it. And, then, you know, the, the phrase or the, the image in your screen, it's coming down to three seconds and it's all coming down to this kick, right? And I made it. You know what I did? I went home. Because I made it once. In college, my roommate, actually the godfather of our Alana, uh, roommate in college, and, and he was a place, he was the field goal kicker for our, our school, and our, our school was pretty good. He actually is an All-American field goal kicker. Pretty awesome. 
And I would go and watch him practice every once in a while, not very often. And, and like what he practiced over and over and over and over and over and over again were extra points. Ryan, why do you, what? You know the difference between an all-American field goal kicker and me? I practice until I make it. He practiced until he couldn't miss it. You see the difference? Sometimes I think in our life of faith, we practice until we make it. And I think our life of discipleship is a life of practicing until we can't miss it. Do you see the difference? That's the beauty of God's call on Samuel. Is that God over and over and over again was crying out to Samuel and giving him practice of how will you respond. And God's call on your life isn't a one-time thing that you get it right and then you say, made it. God's call on your life is continuous. He's constantly speaking to you, calling out to you, saying, I have things for you, things to give you, and things for you to do. He's calling. He's calling. I've never heard the voice of the Lord call my name. I know a couple people that have. It's really cool. My guess is you, you probably haven't heard the voice of the Lord call your name. Wouldn't it be so much easier if he did? Amen. <laughs> oh, Lord, give me a sign. He gave you his word. He gives you his word. This is how God calls you. It informs you. It calls out to you. It speaks to the very core of your soul. And it calls you into a relationship with him. He's calling you. He's calling you. Now, I, I wish that I could stand here and tell you that it's that simple. It ain't. That's why we keep practicing. That we don't miss. I miss a lot. And you do too. That's okay. Keep kicking. Because the Lord is still calling. In fact, that's, that's probably the most important word in today's lesson. Samuel responds a number of times to Eli and to the Lord. He, when his name is called, he says, here I am. And you've heard me talk about this. This word that Samuel says back, speaks back, is, is considered the most holy word that someone can say about their life of faith. 
here I am. It's not a, hey, I'm present. It's, I'm awake. I'm engaged. I'm ready. I'm all in. I'm here. And I'm open. And I'm ready. Maybe that's what we do every morning. Certainly, it, it wasn't unique to my buddy Ryan, the place kicker. Almost every field goal kicker does something. They get lined up, they count in their steps. My buddy signed the cross. Others take a deep breath. Something that they do the same every time before they kick, to center themselves, to be ready for that which they have practiced their entire life. And then the ball is snapped. How can you be an all-American field goal kicker? in this life of following Jesus. I think part of it is having that moment. I'm here, Lord. I'm ready. Hike. In the name of Christ. Amen.